Craig asked me to let you know that I'm speaking today from the uh, lectern because I don't like walking up in that high pulpit. The last time I did it, I got a little bit dizzy. So hopefully I'll get less dizzy down here standing on firm ground. So if you're sitting in the uh, balcony, you may not be able to see me very well. I'm sorry. I'll try to speak up so you can hear me. Uh, so I invite you to turn in Luke chapter 19 in verses 1 through 10. And we're going to be thinking today about a passage of Scripture that is probably very familiar to you. It's the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. And you may know this from Zacchaeus being the tax collector. And you probably also remember this from uh, when you were six years old in Sunday school, um, probably acting out Zacchaeus climbing up in the tree. Maybe you, you literally did that. Or maybe you picked the shortest person in the class to pretend to be Zacchaeus. And so all of us are, are probably familiar with this story. He climbed up in the tree. He saw Jesus. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. And there was a great change in Zacchaeus' heart. Amen. Uh, the narrative passages of the gospel are wonderful in telling stories, but they also teach us uh, very deep and very great, profound teaching and, and doctrine. So today as we read the passage, I would invite you to focus in on the very last verse, verse 10, because there is a lot to be dug out of that one verse. And I'd like to just sort of camp and stay on verse 10 today uh, in our passage. So hear now the word of God uh, in Luke chapter 10. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see what Jesus, who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay in your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man <clears throat> came to seek and to save the lost. If I could invite you to remember and pause on that verse. We see the story of Zacchaeus here, and he was a tax collector. And in those days, tax collectors were despised. They were hated because they extorted money from people and because they worked for the Roman government. So you can imagine Zacchaeus was probably not a man who was well-loved and liked and appreciated by his peers. And this is why people got angry, because Jesus called him down and then went to his house. But notice again, verse 10, all was not lost for Zacchaeus. Jesus sought him and found him. And the change in Zacchaeus's life was immediate. And we see there an example of a beautiful picture of repentance here in our passage. <clears throat> I think also of the line in the hymn, Amazing Grace, I once was lost, but now I'm found. That is in our passage today in verse 10. 
For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Before we were in Christ, before you were a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, you were lost. I was lost. We all were lost before Jesus Christ, our Savior, found us. And this is the greatest truth for us as Christians. So, again, I ask you to think and to ponder verse, verses nine, verse 10 today. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If there's any one thing about the church that I might complain about, and please excuse me for complaining during the sermon, uh, it may be that in some places, in some settings, um, perhaps the teaching and the sermons and the messages brought forth from, from the pulpit aren't very challenging. Uh, other churches are very challenging, and they bring out the truth very clearly. Um, other times we just, uh, it's about moralism or about being good or about living your ideal life now or finding your perfect life uh, here or Jesus is your life coach uh, kind of preaching. But Luke 19.10 is something that's very challenging to us. And again, perhaps it's a verse that you have read and maybe read over thinking about Zacchaeus jumping down from the tree. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So why then would Jesus make a reference to seeking and saving the lost? The Bible that you hold in your lap today is very clear about something. That there is a problem with mankind. And you see this three chapters into Genesis. That something has gone wrong. And that thing that has gone wrong is sin. That we, because our first parents before us, choose to rebel against God. And we naturally choose to sin and turn away from God. And that is man's primary problem, the Word of God tells us. And we have the effects of it today. But the great comfort comes in when you read from Genesis 4 to the end of Revelation that God has made the way for you, for us, to be free and to be found by Christ. As believers in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer lost. That is the good news that comes after the bad news of the fall and sin. The good news is you are no longer lost if you trusted in Christ for your salvation today. You have been saved. You have been forgiven. I always say or I often say that the Bible acts like a mirror to us because it shows us what we are. If you ever get into a discussion perhaps with someone who is uh, not a Christian and they may complain about the weird things that they read in the Bible about all of the wars and fighting and killing and murdering and adultery and you name it, it's there. Your response to that person should be, of course, it's there. There is a lot of sin and death and killing and war and murder and adultery and all kinds of bad stuff in the Bible. Because the Bible shows us what we are. And it convicts us of our need for a Savior. And that is the whole point of the good news. So I really would challenge you, if you have a coworker or a neighbor who is just offended and bothered by everything in the Bible, challenge them to think it's exactly right. It shows us that we need forgiveness and that we need Christ. We need a Savior.
So let's think again about verse 10. This very important verse in the New Testament. One of the most important, I think. Jesus seeks the lost. He saves the lost. And mankind, apart from him, is lost. So let's think about these three points today. First, that Jesus seeks the lost. This is one of the things that makes the Christian faith unique among every other world religion and every other faith for this reason. In other faiths, it takes man's effort to save himself, to somehow make himself holy or make himself right before God and to earn his way into salvation or heaven or however it's defined. The Christian faith is entirely different and unique that none of us, no one, no one here can work or earn our salvation. God seeks us. And that's what he has done in Christ today. Think about John chapter 10 when Jesus teaches that he is the good shepherd. And the metaphor of the shepherd is maybe not one that we immediately think about, and we understand it, but most of us in here aren't farmers, and we aren't shepherds. Uh, So it was probably a little bit easier for those in Jesus' day to, to understand that. But I think it does make some sense to us, because sheep wander away. They get lost. And a good and dedicated shepherd will immediately go after his sheep and bring that sheep back to the fold. And that, as you know, is a wonderful picture and a metaphor of salvation. That when we were lost, Jesus the Great Shepherd came and found us. It also shows us that Jesus not only seeks us, but he leads us. And we know his voice. We hear him. So how does Jesus seek the lost? How did he seek you and us? He did that by coming to us, by becoming incarnate, by taking on a human nature, living and dying and rising again. So we see that Jesus seeks the lost, verse 10 here. We also see that Jesus saves the lost. Matthew twenty twenty eight is, I believe, another very important verse in the Gospels because it says that the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus saves by coming to us and by paying the ransom with his life, by paying what we could not pay on our own with his life. The book of Hebrews describes in detail how Jesus saves the lost. And if you've ever read Hebrews, I encourage you to. There's um, a great deal that connects to the Old Testament, makes the connection from the Old to the New, and how it is all fulfilled in Jesus. Hebrews says that Jesus is the fulfillment of the great high priest. Before Jesus came, there was a high priest, a man, who was appointed to that position. And once a year, the high priest went into the most holy place in the temple, And that one time, he made an offering for all of the sins of the nation. 
And he did this by taking the blood of a sacrifice in so that there would be shedding, there would be death, shedding of blood um, to cover the sin of the people. I know some of you are making the connection in your head. Jesus is that final high priest who went one final time and offered himself in his blood as that sacrifice. That is how he saves the lost. It's by giving his life, by bearing in him the punishment that we deserve for breaking God's law on himself. That's what we call grace, and it is the good news of the gospel. It is all by grace. So we know that we are saved from death, from hell, from eternal judgment, from separation from God. We call this redemption today, and that's what we name our church after, Redeemer. Being redeemed or redemption comes from the marketplace, and it evokes the the notion of making a payment. Uh, Jesus made that payment for you on your behalf today, when you couldn't in yourself and on your own. Third, we see that mankind is lost. Now, this is probably the most unpopular teaching today because it's not going to fit in our pop culture, which likes to elevate man, uh, which likes to say that you can find your own spirituality and whatever fits you, whatever floats your boat, is okay. But to say that you are spiritually lost and spiritually dead and need God's help to come to you is anathema. It's offensive. Because no one wants to really admit that they are spiritually lost. A lot of people like to say they're spiritual but not religious. But you'll, you won't hear many people say, I'm lost. I'm spiritually lost. Now think about the last time you were physically lost. And I know today everybody, probably 90% of you have a smartphone. And that smartphone probably has GPS on it. So it's a lot harder to get lost today than it was a long time ago. Now, I don't have a smartphone because I refuse, and I also don't have GPS because I absolutely refuse to use GPS. Give me a map and a compass, and I'll find my way. I don't like, and I don't trust GPS. (laughs) However, try to remember a time, if you're old enough, when you didn't have that, and maybe you got lost. Maybe you were driving somewhere and made a wrong turn. Maybe you were walking in Charleston, when you first moved here and got lost downtown where it's easy to. I've, I've been lost in foreign cities, and that's even more um, interesting uh, when you can't speak the language and trying to find your way around. How did it feel? Did you panic? Did you wonder if somebody was going to find you? Did you wonder if you were ever going to find your way back to where you needed to be? Did your GPS not work? Think about how that felt. If you're like me, there was probably a little bit of panic. Uh, Hoping, hoping, I hope this is the right turn and the way back. Now imagine being eternally lost and spiritually lost from God. This again, in Jesus' teaching, is the condition of every human being outside of Christ is being lost and separated from God. 
And again, you'll find this in the third chapter of your Bible. You'll see how this happens. But the good news, again, is you don't have to find your way to God from being lost. He has found you and given you salvation in Jesus Christ, in his Son. Zacchaeus was lost until Jesus found him. And we can probably infer from all he said to Jesus about giving half of his goods to the poor and about repaying four times if he cheated somebody that he probably wasn't the most upright moral tax collector character that there was. I suspect that he cheated people. Uh, He probably enriched himself off of the backs of his fellow countrymen. Zacchaeus was really lost until Jesus found him. And so like us today, and see the change that came to Zacchaeus. And perhaps that change came to you at one time in your life. And if you're here today and you have never had that change and thought about that, I invite you to call out to the Lord and to know that he seeks and saves the lost. And there are two ways today that you can use this truth that Jesus seeks and saves the lost. First, let it comfort you if you're a Christian today. Not only are your sins forgiven, but you are in the hands of God as one of his chosen. Whatever you face today in your life, and I can't speak for you, whether it's difficulties at home or at work or financial problems or emotional struggles or psychiatric issues or medical problems, you will never be lost from Christ. Jesus does not guarantee that our lives will never be free of struggling, but knowing Christ... But knowing Christ has saved you, that gives you the solid ground to stand on when the storms come, and they will in this life. In my work as a hospital chaplain at MUSC, I visit people every day who are suffering physically, emotionally, some who are dying. I visit families of patients who have died. What possible comfort could I give them on my own that they somehow have to find their own hope? That they somehow have to hope and work and make their way to heaven if heaven exists? That their loved one who just passed away, well, I don't really know because I don't really know if there's a God or heaven. I would be out of the job in one day as a hospital chaplain because I would have no hope to bring the people who are suffering. But I do have that hope, and you have also, that great truth that the Word tells us about, of redemption, salvation, of forgiveness when we were lost, that we once were lost but now have been found in Christ. And that is our hope. And the second use is to humble you, and I hope it will humble you today that if you're a Christian It is nothing about boasting in yourself. It was only by the grace of God and his unconditional love for you. There was no condition to it, nothing in you uh, to come to you and to seek you and save you. So I hope that will humble you and not make you proud today 
uh, to know that it is all the work of Christ. So today, if you've come now and you hear this message and you hear um, the truth that Jesus seeks and saves the lost and that we were lost, if that offends you, it may offend you. In a way, I hope it does. Because that's how we get to the good news, is by being offended. And the gospel is offensive. Remember the Bible being like a mirror to us. We are not good on our own. So the good news is often humbling. And if God is speaking to you today and perhaps humbling you, and maybe you're struggling with this, I invite you and encourage you to repent and believe in Christ. Second, do you see yourself as similar to Zacchaeus today? Maybe you come to church dressed in your Sunday finery, showing up and putting on your Sunday face, and there is something in your past that you can't forget. Maybe you're the only one who knows about it. Maybe you did something in your past, and you feel the shame of it, and you wonder how you might be forgiven, how, how God might accept you and forgive you and, and make you clean. The good news, again, is that from the example of Zacchaeus, Jesus found him, and Jesus will find you. Whatever you did, whatever sin is in your past, it can be covered in the blood of Christ. And today, third, if you're struggling or perhaps doubting your salvation or wondering if you are lost spiritually, lost from Christ, hear the good news. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. Come unto me, all you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So call out to him today, the one who has come to seek and to save the lost. And know that you in Christ will never be lost again. Today you are found. It's the good news of the gospel. Amen.